0: Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and the leading producer of quality fertilizer products. This podcast is intended to facilitate the transfer of knowledge for farmers and crop advisors, improving farm profitability and environmental sustainability. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, I'm Ken Rundle, and this is the second podcast recorded with Yara's head of agronomy, Mark Tucker, where we look more closely at important nutrients. Today, we focus on phosphate, a mineral very closely linked to the growth and well-being of plant life, but one where supplies are anything but limitless, so it's not one to be careless with. Mark, why is phosphate so important for plant growth?
1: Phosphate is possibly the number one um, sort of nutrient when it comes to just the fundamentals of growth. And if we think as to really what the plant is doing and what we as in agriculture and farmers are doing is it's all about trapping light, sunlight and converting that into dry matter, which is yield and all the produce that we enjoy and but the first part of that trapping of light sits with phosphate in the sense of it, it sort of lands and is intercepted by those green leaves and it's got to be turned into that sunlight energy into chemical energy and the plant does that by incorporating it then into a product called ATP so a phosphate um, product in the plant and that's where the chemical energy then sits and that acts then for the fuel for that plant as it looks to grow and develop thereon.
0: The point is phosphate, in many respects, is almost more important than nitrogen. We use nitrogen because it has such an effect on yield. But unless the phosphate's right, you're not going to have a decent crop.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the two sort of go hand in hand. But without phosphate, without that energy source, um, then you don't get that carbohydrate production and the sugars. And it's there. On, and once those sugars have been produced, then the nitrogen comes into play as that's. Um, as growth and real biomass growth starts to happen. So, yeah, absolutely, that phosphate, very early stage, is fundamental to get that plant off and away.
0: But in agriculture, we use two types of phosphate. Could you explain the difference?
1: There's two sort of key areas just to consider, and that's the the products like TSP, MAP, DAP, will all, all be in what's called the orthophosphate form, um, which is where they'll and the farmer will see that those products have 90% water solubility. The other group of phosphates that are, are there for farmers to choose are container, a, a more diverse um, phosphates. So they'll contain um, polyphosphates. So you've got um, products which contain. A majority 90 percent of orthophosphate and then other phosphate products namely npk um, compounds um, such as our activa s being one or our 52 s or our grassland range extra grass and they would all contain um as well as orthophosphates which will make up 70 percent of those they'll contain the polyphosphates um, and dicalcium phosphate which are longer chain phosphates not as water soluble so you don't see that immediate water solubility figure that you would get with the orthophosphates they require a level of um, breaking down over time so yeah it's key really think orthophosphates and then the, the polyphosphates which are the longer chain ones and take slightly longer
0: so basically, the water-soluble ones are taken up relatively quickly, and, and also application, we must, we'll come back to applications at some stage or another, but water-soluble phosphates are taken up relatively quickly. These other ones hang around in the soil for longer, but, but they eventually do get into the chain, as it were, and are taken up. So, so they're both needed. It's not a case of just having one instead of the other
1: yeah absolutely there's the um those water soluble ones they go straight into that water uh, that soil solution in the, the first pool of phosphate which you get and the plant can take up from there the other ones will go into that soil and they'll be into the second pool of phosphate in the soil which takes that bit longer um to move through into the available form both effectively um, come into the system, but just one, take, one takes slightly longer than the other. The thing to look for is um, the term P-extend, and that's something that we attach to both our and our Yara liquid um, NPK fertilisers.
0: And as usual, it's a case of knowing how much is needed and, and when, and that comes back to soil testing which we've dealt with at length in various uh, podcasts but also things like the grain analysis
1: yeah so we're we're learning through grain analysis it's just adding to the picture and what that's revealed as crops that um, are more deficient than phosphate than perhaps um, we've recognized over recent years and i think that's yeah. You know, it, it's again it shows the importance of getting as much data as you can to really understand what your um, phosphate fertility is like in the soil, and then you can really act upon that. And if you are faced with um, very low phosphates, then that would take you to a slightly different approach than soils which have got a reasonable level in them where you can adopt uh, a different strategy.
0: And that brings us to the yield enhancement network how does that fit in
1: so the yield enhancement network has been really fundamental um, in getting to grips with what the critical phosphate level is in the grain and in conjunction with the Yara laboratory we've been able to take grain samples from those high yielding yield enhancement network crops and then look at the, the critical values and start to really home in on the values we want so that's highlighted this problem that we have um, with more deficiency with regard to phosphate than perhaps we anticipated from soil data that's been gathered over the years.
0: So we are really learning a lot more about the micromanagement as it were.
1: Yeah okay it's really enabling us to get into the detail and that absolute classic sort of marginal gains approach where we can really home in on some and really fine-tune our strategies um, again to hopefully to improve um, productivity and profitability of the crops.
0: This marginal gain thing is very important because we keep hearing and reading in the press that uh, we've kind of reached a plateau on yields in some respects and the plant breeders are being urged to produce different varieties, climate change is blamed and all kinds of things. But the point you're making is that there is still research which we can make use of to give us that wee bit bit of extra boost.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And we can take, and it's really, I guess, management of data is what's um, critical here in terms of learning from it and then more, more importantly any data is actually taking actions um, on the back of that data so that you actually progress rather than stagnate.
0: So phosphates can be applied in a variety of different formulations and products but I suppose it's important for farmers to understand what choice to make and how they go about making that choice what criteria they build in do they always do that right?
1: I think generally the answer is no, It's not always done right. And perhaps we've simplified phosphate too much over the years. I think the first thing is, yeah, if you've got a very low soil level of phosphate, then you need to act quickly and have that um, in the seed at planting. Um, whereas if you've um, got a reasonable supply, then you can move that timing of that phosphate to the spring. And then you can look at the products of choice So once you get to that spring timing, then you need an element of water-soluble phosphate in there. So a product that contains um, 60, 70% orthophosphate, which will give you an immediate supply as that spring growth starts. But then the same problem we have with that being immediately available to the crop, the orthophosphate is also there and at risk of precipitating with other nutrients in the soil or other elements in the soil, I should say, so the calcium, the iron, the aluminium and that renders it then unavailable to the crop. So thinking about these products, which have the polyphosphates and the di- calcium phosphate in them, this second group that we referred to, then that does give you and it sort of buffers you against some of that risk of the nutrient being sort of locked up and unavailable to the plant because those polyphosphates and the calcium phosphate, then they will be broken down over the days and weeks Um, from application through to the orthophosphates and then available for the plant. So it just bridges you across some of those risks and gives you a more continuous sort of season supply of phosphate rather than a very quick hit of sort of fully water-soluble phosphate, which can give an immediate response to the plant, but maybe can be subject to um, lock up and therefore rendered unavailable to the plant just as it needs it through sort of, well, late March, April, May, as it's really putting on its growth.
0: But it's important to bear in mind what the fertilizer or the the product that you're using and how that phosphate is contained in terms of concentrations. Clarify that for me, please.
1: Yeah, it's, it's again, one of the little sort of um, nuances that we need to think about putting on relatively low application rates when we're down at anywhere from 35 to 50 kilograms of p um, to p205 that is going on in the spring then because they're high concentrations they have you end up with a very low application rate and you then try and spread those granules evenly across the soil compare that to um, a a product that might be less concentrated so um, yara active res is a um, 15 percent there so much lower than the 42 and 52 percent or 46 and 52 percent that you would get with the higher concentrations so what you end up with is double the number of sort of granules going onto the surface area of the soil which is then giving a much more even phosphate um, application and spread so that every plant in that square meter has an opportunity to take some up because when we are talking about spring Um, applications, then we really are targeting the crop and its growth rather than just maintaining a sort of soil fertility position.
0: What do you think are the key things to remember about any phosphate program from what you've just told us?
1: I think the first thing is definitely understand the soil. And we know that from the data that probably 70% of UK soils are on a reasonable level of fertility when it comes to phosphate. So that means you can really then target your phosphate Um, to meet the crop needs and I think that's what we're really the sort of real emphasis in in is which is that spring um, timing when 70 Percent of the phosphate is going to be taken up in the sort of six to eight week period from February onwards, so what we want to do is really think about when when and how that crop needs its phosphate and target the product and the nutrient accordingly and that 's really where we come in with the the spring NPKs and um, the Yaramila products to to really achieve that. Thank you, Mark Tucker, to the
0: point as ever. And that's all for today's podcast. Join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time when I'll look at another issue at the heart of work planning. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.